0: Hello everybody, just had to set up my mic. Uh, We're still waiting on the guest, uh, Benjamin Schaefer. Um, I'm gonna start anyway. Today's show, uh, we're gonna talk about the um, inflation and the Federal Reserve and how they caused it. So I'm gonna start with uh, some of the history of the Federal Reserve. Um, But Basically, it's a show, uh, the title is on purpose with inflation and the Fed versus the Constitution. as if it's a legal battle, because those two things, the the team of inflation and the Fed, are opposite the Constitution. So, um, you know, as far as money goes, uh, everybody has different versions of money, but money basically, is it's gotta be a store of value. It's uh, something that is a limited resource that can be exchanged uh, between people for goods and services. So, the early versions of money, uh, money was a barter system. Um, If uh, somebody had some fish and somebody had some wheat, they would exchange fish for wheat. The next step was to use something uh, in between, maybe berries, say, uh, in one Mises example. um, Could use fish to buy berries, everybody wanted berries, you could use berries to buy wheat. Then they started picking uh, things that were better to barter, like wampum shells and um, tea leaves and and whatever eventually worked its way up to uh, silver and gold coin. Um, That turned out to be a great uh, method. It's limited. It's difficult to expand uh, how much it is, has to mine it. That's hard to do. Uh, Just historically, gold, silver, other precious metals, but primarily gold and silver, uh, worked out to be a really good uh, exchange. In North and South America, the first use of of uh, coins was silver coins. Uh, they are minted in Mexico City from silver mines, and they became uh, they began to be used in you know in the American colonies. This is before the the uh, War for American Independence, and um, people did start calling them the dollar. Um, they were divided into eight pieces commonly because one coin was worth more than say buying some food for dinner, uh, and the the coins were called pieces of eight. So that was an eighth of a coin. A silver coin, if it's reasonably pure silver, uh, you can cut it into one-eighth pieces and it's worth one-eighth. I have one here. It's not the one from 17, from the 1600s or early 1700s. But anyway, it's a one-ounce silver coin made in Mexico. Actually, it's a puro plata. It's 0.99% silver. Um, It's worth enough to buy dinner. Uh, Having a few of these around for the zombie apocalypse, not a bad idea um they're worth more than the paper money anyway that was the first one used in the united states uh some people began calling them a dollar um there were various forms of paper currency and paper uh reserve notes they call them or receipts from gold so uh one of the first banking systems with gold was that people could take their gold put it in a a, a place that held it basically a bank an early version of a bank they would hold the gold and then issue receipts for the gold. And then people would trade the receipts because they could go to the bank and get receipts. They could go to the bank, take the receipt, and exchange it for gold. Uh, that works pretty well. And you know you can create a business which is securing the gold, which is the money, the basis of the money. And the receipts are paper printed in a way that's reasonably hard to fake, that, you, that people could exchange for the gold if they wanted the gold. Um, so that worked pretty well. The problem happened is that uh, in the don't know when it actually started, but in the 1700s, um, 1600, 1700s, there were banks, quote unquote, banks that started printing more receipts than gold they had. Now, that does work as long as everybody doesn't come and get their deposits. So if, for example, you have a certain amount of gold, say, a hundred dollars worth of gold in the bank, and everybody has 100 dollars worth of gold. Originally the banker might print a hundred dollars, you know, a receipt for a hundred dollars, and it could be divided up, say a bunch of receipts for fifty cents and um, for all the gold that you had. Uh, but then they decide to only have fifty percent reserves. And so they print twice as many receipts for the gold that they have. Thanks for doing this, and they went into circulation. What happens with that is that there's twice as much paper circulating, if you want to call it money, twice as much paper is circulating for the amount of gold that's actually in the bank. And it's a scam, but you can get away with it if a disaster doesn't happen and everybody wants their gold. And so banks were getting away with it, and they started lowering the numbers. But, you know, originally that was the kind of range they thought they could get away with, like a two-to-one. Uh, the name for that today is called fractional reserve banking. That's actually the main purpose of the, one of the main purposes of the Federal Reserve is to quote-unquote, legalize that uh, unethical uh, fraud, we'll call it that. But anyway, that's what that's how fractional reserve banking got started. Um, anyway, when um, the uh, American War for Independence started, 1775 or so, uh, 76 is when the 13 colonies declared independence, formed independent states, um, began the union. They started printing fiat paper money called the Continental. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was adamantly against that, uh, but Alexander Hamilton was for it. He's the big government central bank guy. Um, so that was a, that was an argument going on at the time, but that's how they funded a lot of the uh, war for American independence, was with basically fake uh, paper money, fiat money, which was in the end a disaster, although it did help get them through the war because of how that works. The military suppliers, um, they get the first cut, the central banks that just, the banks that distribute it, they get the first cut at the money when it's actually worth something, and then over you know six months, a year, two years, prices decline because there's more money in circulation than is real. Anyway, there's an old expression from the the 1700s called "That ain't worth a Continental," or "That isn't worth a Continental." They're talking about the Continental dollar, which was the first fiat currency in the United States. Anyway, um, that failed. That was a disaster. You can't do that, as we see today with the U.S. dollar. Um, so they went they started using the uh, the coins uh, Thomas Jefferson was a big promoter of that they were using the, the Mexico City printed silver coin um, when they made the Constitution they um, had a had a provision in there that only gold and silver coin may be used by a state for for money uh, that's in the 1787 Constitution that was ratified by the 13 states so that was where that started then uh, Hamilton set up the first bank of the United States as the first central bank associated with the government of the United States. Um, That failed. That was a miserable failure. Uh, That was ended. Jefferson helped ended that along with some others. Um, They went back to using uh, gold and silver coin in 1816, uh, there was a second bank was created. That also failed. That lasted about 20 years, and it was also a fiscal disaster. Same thing with uh, paper money. They were printing paper money. They're doing fractional reserve banking. Same kind of problems we see today. Uh, That failed. Uh, It caused uh, bad inflation problems. It caused boom and bust cycles, the whole bit. Same stuff we see today. That's what the second bank caused. So in 1834, they fixed that by going back on the gold standard. Um, The United States went on the gold standard for the first time for real as far as the dollar goes in 1834 and that fixed the problem. It resulted in a in an economic boom. Um, people started investing. Uh, you could track what money was worth. Uh, it was a good thing. People then recognized it was a good thing. That ended in 1862. Guess what was going on? That's the war that Lincoln started. Um, the War for Southern Independence, or some people call it the, uh, the War of Northern Aggression. I prefer the War of Southern Independence for the name of that. I'll talk about it later, but it wasn't a civil war. Um, That's from the winners writing the history books. Anyway, that was 1862. Uh, United States central government, the general government, went off the gold standard so they could print money to fund the war. That's the normal normal reason to want to start doing this. Uh, They printed something uh, with green ink that was dollars but not redeemable in gold. So there's gold circulating, There's dollars circulating, which were redeemable in gold. And there's what they eventually called greenback circulating. Uh, That was the Lincoln thing in Congress at the time of Lincoln. Um, This central fiat currency, which was not redeemable in gold. And again, what happened is it did help get through the war. Military contractors supplying guns to the northern armies. Uh, They got a lot of money. The banks did well. Uh, The government did great. It expands their power. Um, and in the end, it's an inflationary disaster, and people wouldn't use greenbacks anymore. So eventually that failed. And so in 1979, because of the failures, they went back on the gold standard. The United States went back on the gold standard. That caused a huge economic boom, probably perhaps one of the biggest in American history. Uh, and all it was was returning to sound money. That's what happened. They returned the dollars back to to sound money and based on gold, backed by Gold, so that's that was 1879. Uh, the next several decades were very were great economically. That's the whole. That was when the whole machine revolution was going on. Um, good times in America then. Then what happened is uh, you get these uh, J.P. Morgan, Nelson Rockefeller, uh, these guys. They start thinking about how to go back on to a central bank, and the reason is they want to make a ton of money and be able to inflate the currency. So they held a secret meeting in Jekyll Island, a bunch of, bunch of bankers at the time. This is uh, right around the turn of the century. Uh, uh, and they started planning on a new central bank. And that eventually became the Federal Reserve. Now, right from the beginning, this was a secret organization. The, the Jekyll Island meeting was actually a duck hunting trip, quote unquote. It was a week-long vacation for duck hunting in Georgia, on a uh, barrier island in Georgia, Chickal Island, which is now a beautiful resort. Um, And it was was held in uh, one of the Morgan uh, resorts. And it actually was a secret meeting by these bankers and a couple people from D.C. And they created what eventually became the Federal Reserve. In 1813, the Federal Reserve was established as the third central bank of the United States with the power to print Fiat money once again same problem the people who make out with this deal are three the government The banks the, the central banks that get the new printed cash first and everybody that's closely associated with the government Like right now. It's uh, defense contractors huge beneficiaries of this this scam this fraud um, I'll talk a little bit more about that, but that's when the Federal Reserve started the value of the dollar since the Federal Reserve started uh, has dropped to a few percent of what it was in um, in 1913, like almost all its value. And it's a logarithmic curve that's tailing off to zero. It's essentially mm-hmm. becoming zero. You know, eventually it will be zero. Um, I'm just glancing at chat here. Uh, hope uh, everybody can hear me good. Um, and I uh, get some howdies. howdy figwort. In. Kami zombie. Um, yeah, I hope the commie zombies is ready for the combi zombie apocalypse. Um, there's a few other people here. Judson, thanks for joining. So anyway, that's kind of the history of up until 1913. And no surprise, it was Woodrow Wilson. Uh, I'm still debating on my choice for second and third worst president in US history. I, I think we're in it right now. I'm ready to switch from FDR to Woodrow Wilson. I think fdr is gonna gonna get the third spot um he did try to he did a horrible recovery from what happened when the federal reserve was created so just a brief history there and then i'm going to start talking about you know inflation and what what all that is um after the federal reserve was created uh the first thing they did is they were still on the gold standard although they lowered the fractional percentage Uh, that they would have to, they started inventing this fractional banking thing. That was one of the purposes of the Federal Reserve right from the beginning. Um, So that's what they were doing. Um, They were printing, they started printing money with some portion backed by gold. One of the early numbers they would use, you know, 40% had to be backed by gold. Anyway, they come up with this reserve banking scheme um, that caused some boom and bust cycles starting in 1913 uh the war was a problem then world war one happened that caused a money problem because they started printing they kind of recovered from that the roaring 20s was what came next economically that was a fake boom basically as far as the money goes it's it's just promissory notes going out you know a decade or more and the 20s was the roaring 20s uh the uh the elites had a great time in the 20s but it was just a setup for disaster and it ended in 29, when there was a rush on banks. The problem was that the banks were then allowed to loan out money based on fractional reserves. It wasn't real. So, you know, an easy way to think about this, what they were doing, once you establish fractional reserve, like the story I talk about, the, the gold banker. So, if you have a dollar, fractional reserve would mean that a bank is allowed to retain a portion of that dollar and loan out more based on what's there. So they can retain, say, if it's it started out, 50% was a common number. Uh, and then the Federal Reserve per, pretty quickly got down to 10%. There's something like three or under now. So a bank has to maintain, say, I'm going to use it because it's easy to calculate in my head. A bank is required by the Federal Reserve to maintain 10% reserves. So that's reserves on hand. Uh, for depositors. So if a depositor puts $100 in, the bank has to maintain $10 of that, but it does it for all of the depositors. So if a guy wants his $100, he can go to the bank and there's $100 there. But he's actually only getting $10 of his own money because the rest of it isn't there anymore. It's been loaned out. So the way fractional reserve banking works is the Federal Reserve has $100. And maybe it's backed in gold. It doesn't actually change either way. Say it is backed in gold, and it was back then. It was in 19. 30, was in the nineteen twenties. They declare ten percent the reserve uh, bank, and the reserve uh, amount. So the Federal Reserve has a hundred dollars worth of gold, backed by gold, say, and they can take that hundred dollars because they're only required. They require themselves to only maintain ten percent reserve. Then they can create another nine hundred. So they have. of it, which is 100. They create another 900. They lend that 900 out to the commercial banks, the big, the Federal Reserve, the main banks. They lend that out to commercial banks. Now the commercial banks get this 900, which is paperwork. Now it's uh, numbers on a computer. They get the 900. Now they have to hold 10% in reserve. So they hold the 900 That they got from the Federal Reserve, which is paper, and then they lend out nine thousand. So they have nine hundred in reserves, and they lend out nine thousand. And then the disaster really happened in the '60s or '70s when the Federal Reserve started allowing uh, um, interest rate payments on that. So you can make interest on the nine hundred, which is fake ten percent. It's fake ninety percent based on the ten percent, which is also fake based on the actual hundred dollars in gold. I know this sounds silly, but this is actually what they do. Um, I'm using numbers that are usually calculating ahead, but it's really based on $100. So it gets up to 10,000. So in two steps, they can hand out $10,000. That's how that system works. Uh, If you tried that, they would throw you in jail. Um, This is no this is far worse than what Bernie Madoff did. Um, It's worse even than the Social Security scam. So anyway, that's what they're doing. That's the purpose of the Federal Reserve. So if, so uh, my next topic I wanted to cover is what is inflation? So I actually have a definition of that I'm going to show. Um, find this screen here. All right, looks like the screen share is working. I'm solo here. So uh, this is from uh, Mises Daily. Uh, if you want to learn about the Federal Reserve and the banking and dollars, Mises Institute's a great place to go. So, this is an article called, Defining Inflation. Inflation, I'm just gonna quote from this. Inflation is not a general rise in prices. It's an increase in the supply of money, which in turn sets in motion a general increase in the price of goods and services. So, inflation is, uh, we often hear, you know, you go to the grocery store and you know, it costs $250 to fill up a cart now. That's inflation. Um, no, that's a side effect. That's a bad side effect of inflation. Inflation is an increase in the money supply, which is caused by the Federal Reserve. So the reason your groceries are more expensive, a large portion of that right now than, say, a year ago, is because the Federal Reserve was printing money, they lowered the fractional reserve percentage, and a couple other uh, tricks they have up their sleeve, they've got about four, um, where they can expand the money supply and they can create, money out of nothing. So when you have more dollars chasing the same goods and services, the number of dollars for a particular good goes up. Hence, eggs cost more. But inflation is not the consumer price index. It's not why eggs are more in the grocery store right now. Uh, it's an increase in the money supply. There's also a second problem that is happening. Um, I don't know the rate, You know wh- which is more, which is less, but there's some logistics uh, in, in the delivery and in infrastructure right now, caused mainly by the government from COVID. Um, so that's part of the change now, but uh, I suspect a far larger part of it is caused by printing money, which is done by every president since the uh, 1971 when Nixon completely removed the gold standard. I guess I didn't mention that, but uh, they went through the Bretton Woods Agreement. Um, they fixed the value of gold at $35 an ounce, and they only allowed foreigners to uh, redeem for gold. Uh, That was in the 1930s or so, don't hold me to the date, uh, when uh, they made gold illegal. Uh, They confiscated all the gold from U.S. citizens. Uh, Dollars were supposedly still based on gold fixed at $35 an ounce, but American citizens couldn't redeem their dollars for gold. Only foreigners could, and governments Uh, the uh, Federal Reserve established a fixed exchange rate between uh, foreign currencies and the U.S. dollar, and they banned U.S. citizens from redeeming their money in gold, and they allowed foreigners to redeem their dollar in gold because if they didn't, they would be called out. And what happened is uh, they started printing willy-nilly, various reasons, mostly for wars. Uh, In the 60s, it turned into uh, printing uh, the, the, the expression there was "guns and butter." They had, they needed, government wanted a ton of money to pay for the Vietnam War, long, long, ongoing war, and they also started huge uh, social programs, um, moving the United States more to a communist, socialist, communist system. So the whole Civil Rights Act, what that led to, and and what was going on in the '60s was huge programs, huge socialist programs. So they need to pay for all that, so they decided to print. So they just printed, 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 borrowed. Borrowed from China. That's about when the borrowing from China thing got big. Now, uh, now to uh, pay for the Ukraine war, we borrow more money from China. But uh, I digress. Uh, by we, I mean the US government. I'm not borrowing anything from China. Even though I'm talking to you from a computer made in China, um, it's not borrowed. I digress again. Sorry about that. So, focus on what they were doing. So, what happened was foreigners who were able to redeem their dollars in gold, uh, looked at the printing and the borrowing that the U.S. government was doing for the guns and butter, 60 socialist programs in the Vietnam War, and they said, this is not going well. The dollar is going to go in the toilet. I'm going to grab my gold now. So they started turning in their dollars and getting the gold, which the Bretton Woods Agreement allowed them to do. Uh, When that happened, the uh, Pretty quickly, within about a decade, the gold reserves, which were were still on sort of the gold standard with a 35 per ounce fixed value, um, the amount of gold held by the United States uh, in a little while got to be under half of what the outstanding dollars held by foreign citizens were. So in other words, the U.S. no longer had uh, even half the gold, or they had about half the gold they needed to pay back everybody, and they saw where it was going. It's an inflation problem it's caused by inflating the money supply this definition right here in front of you from Mises: inflation is an increase in the money supply that's what causes this problem there's more dollars in circulation chasing the same goods and services based on the same amount of gold the gold wasn't changing the gold in circulation and held wasn't changing enough to matter Um, and that's bullion gold coins jewelry and the little bit that gets mined every year Um, that it's pretty close to a fixed supply so they saw that come in 1971 nixon just declared all right well we're ending this whole 35 dollar thing completely took the us off the gold standard now rather than looking at the problem which was inflation caused by printing fiat (laughs) fiat money based on nothing they took us off the gold standard took the us off the gold standard there's the disaster that caused a huge hook in price increases because they started printing. And now we have, you know, Trump for in the COVID last year, he he printed more money than any time in U.S. history. Uh, Biggest bill ever, right? Trump was bragging about signing the biggest bill ever. It's actually the biggest bill in the history of Earth is what I've, uh, best I can find out. But it's certainly the biggest bill in U.S. history. uh, Signed by Trump, it required the Federal Reserve to print trillions of dollars out of thin air. And they do it by their various tricks, including uh, changing the fractional reserve banking number. They're just inventing money. The money doesn't actually mean anything. It's, uh, it's not even a promise for gold anymore. So anyway, that's what happened in 71, which uh, really took off then. So since then, uh, the dollar has dropped precipitously in value. So what you're seeing when you get your car fixed, uh, when you pump your gas, when you go to the grocery store... Uh, what you're seeing is extra dollars put into circulation meaning that the number of dollars it cost you for a thing is a lot higher than it was uh, not all that long ago Um, and by not all that long ago i include my lifetime i mean uh in 65 or so the minimum wage was was a dollar 25. a dollar 25 in silver coins in 1965 which was worth a dollar 25 then uh this was before uh, when we were at the thirty-five dollar uh, an ounce, a dollar twenty-five right now in silver coin is worth something around twenty-one bucks, twenty-three bucks. Uh, I don't know exactly, but um, that that same amount of real money, sound money, um, is is in the twenty-dollar range. So minimum wage of nineteen sixty-five translated to today in sound money would be like twenty-one bucks. So you know we don't need minimum wage increase, we need sound money. If you wanna fix, for people who believe in minimum wage, which I don't, I don't believe in slavery, so I don't believe in minimum wage. It's the same position rationally. Um, I believe in free association, so I don't believe in minimum wage. But for those that do believe in minimum wage, uh, we don't need a minimum wage change, we need a sound money change. Minimum wage would, just between 65 and now, minimum wage would be 21 bucks or so. Anyway, in, in, in dollars today so anyway that's the definition of inflation um the uh consumer price increase uh rate from uh in 2022 the definition was changed um what they said what the government said it's right here that'll better reflect true inflation Um, and the new version is subject to revisions now as you probably know recognize if you're actually paying attention how much things cost, uh, the inflation number that the federal government pulls pulls out today is bogus. Uh, there's various word ways to measure the consumer price index, and they call it inflation even though they, they know. Those guys know that's not what inflation is. Um, they can, the CPI, consumer price index, is a fake number designed to kind of lure Americans into thinking it's nowhere near as bad as it really is. So they talk about numbers like 8% now, like, no, that's ridiculous. Take a trip or go to the grocery store, you'll know it's not 8%. Uh, I don't know what it is, 20s? Um, it's a disaster. Where Wherever it is, it's, it's a disaster. So that's a definition of inflation. Um, so the Federal Reserve, I was going to kind of cover what the Federal Reserve um, actually is for, according to the Federal Reserve, which is which is always a funny source to look at. So what does the Federal Reserve think the purpose of the Federal Reserve is? What they say, uh, the Federal Reserve often referred to as simply the Fed. It's a central bank of the United States created by Congress to provide the nation with a safer, more flexible, flexible, that's an interesting word, and more stable monetary and financial system. And as I said, it was created on December 23rd, 1913. President Woodrow Wilson, worst president number two, signed the Federal Reserve Act into law. law. Um, so uh, December 23rd, this was a Christmas present. huh? This is a Christmas present for the central banks, the big central banks that are closely connected with the uh, government, the Federal Reserve. The completely secret, still is secret, Federal Reserve operation started by a bunch of people in in a secret duck hunting meeting, a bunch of bankers to benefit the government, the big banks, the big central banks, and the people that are closely associated with government, military contractors, for example. Um, You know, just as a side, you know, the Dow, you know, S&P 500, Dow, it's down a lot. Like we had uh, some real good bull years in the stock market. Uh, That's all fake, too. Of course, it's a game. It's a fraud game. But uh, just as an aside, that comes because Wall Street is one of the beneficiaries of this scam, this Federal Reserve scam, Um, the same as the central banks get the money. What happens is Wall Street gets the money. So the stock market gets the money. If you look at a graph, I don't have one handy, but a graph of the S&P 500 versus the expansion of money by the Federal Reserve, they track nicely. Of course, because it's the same problem, the same way that the Federal Reserve, when the Federal Reserve prints money out of thin air through their uh, three or four tricks, a lot of that money ends up in the stock market for the same reason it goes to the central banks, it goes to the government, expands their power, buys votes, uh, and it goes to um, the stock market. That's the safe place to put it. And it's a reasonable thing to do. I would do it too. Um, It's a game if you want to play the game um, and keep your money in dollars. Now there's reasons not to do that, but there's also reasons to do that. I understand both sides of that that question. So that's what happens. The stock market basically tracks the printing of the money up until the whole scam collapses. And every once in a while you have a bust. Um, The 2000, the, uh, the, the Depression, 1929, that's one of them. Um, there's been several. There's been two real big ones in my lifetime. The housing bubble was part of that. Um, and the one that's currently underway this year is, prob- is a smaller version of it. Um, maybe I don't think this one's going to be as big as Depression, but it's going on. So the value is dropping caused by the printing of, of money. So anyway, this is what they claim the Federal Reserve is for. I just just look at some of these words they pick here. All right. Safer. Uh, That's pretty funny. Like what's happened is the dollar is no longer a safe repository of value of wealth. So the dollar is a disaster since the Federal Reserve was. So, no, it's not safer. It's it's less safe. It's far less safe. It's not safe at all. Um, More flexible. Now, this part is true. The dollar is quite flexible right now because there's a file cabinet and a computer sitting in Northern Virginia and in the Federal Reserve building um, that uh, FDR opened for $3.5 million when they decided to move it to DC. Um, they just print whatever they want. If uh, Congress passes the biggest, biggest bill in history, I signed the biggest bill. I can't do Trump's voice very well. Uh, when they do that, they borrow some money from people who aren't born yet and they print a bunch of fake dollars. Uh, printing is a great word for it because it's counterfeiting. It's a form of counterfeiting that that uh, you and I would be in jail or the death penalty for doing. Um, but now nobody even gets held accountable. Uh Federal Reserve chairman can get the Nobel Prize in economics for doing something like this. Um, one of the worst economics, probably the worst living prominent economist, just won the the uh nobel prize in economics so you know what uh, those people think um total kinesian he's uh, supports all this crazy money printing doesn't believe the dollar has any intrinsic value you can print whatever you want and that's the best way to run society that's a nobel prize in economics these days that's crazy again i digress it's all money topics um, i'm just going to check but no i still don't see the guest our guest for this would have been awesome i think we're gonna have to reschedule um just for those who haven't seen him before, this would have been his third appearance uh, on unsafe spaces. Benjamin Schaefer, he's the uh, general counsel um, and also marketing uh, services for Goldback. It's a gold-based alternative country uh, currency, um, I've talked about that before, I won't go through it again, and there's a whole show on it from uh, August or so, Rebel Civics. Um, Benjamin is uh, deeply interested in the Constitution. So he's an attorney who managed to get through law school uh, and still he understands the Constitution really well. So I hope to have him on again. Maybe we'll uh, cover this in a shorter fashion. Um, I, uh, he probably knows more about this history than me. That's actually his whole thing now is, is sound money. So anyway, I am winging this a little bit on what I know in um, some notes. So the... the um, the, the Federal Reserve, uh, more flexible, I was at. Uh, it is more flexible. They're, they're being honest there um, in this claim. They've made it so flexible that the value of the dollar is meaningless. It's whatever they type in the computer tomorrow. That's what the dollar's worth. Uh, more stable. No, that's just silly. If you look at the thumbnail uh, for this video, it shows the dollar since 1913 going from up here, it's a $100 bill, and it's cut with the line, blah, 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 blah. It's, You can tell it's not quite zero yet, but it's pretty close. It's within a few percent of zero from what it was in 1913. So, no, it's not more stable. Um, what they've done is destroy the financial system for their own benefit. So, the Federal Reserve was created on December 23rd as a present for the government, the central bankers, and those closely associated and in financial gain from the federal government. That's why Woodrow Wilson signed it as the Federal Reserve Act. So anyway, here's the four areas. Conducting the nation's monetary policy by influencing money and credit conditions in pursuit of full employment and stable prices. Now, if you look in this little book, which is what the federal government's allowed to do, uh, you'll notice full employment uh, and stable prices isn't part of that. The one thing that the federal government can do to help with stable prices is follow this, where it says no, uh, that only gold and silver coin shall be used in tender of payment of debt. That's still in there. I don't understand why they can ignore that, but that is still in there, never never uh, removed or changed. Um, anyway, uh, full employment is not the job of the general government. Um, Thomas Jefferson would roll over in his grave thinking that's what this led to, and George Washington would bring a 1,000 men and cannon to the protest in front of the Federal Reserve Building. Like, you, you can't, that, is, that ain't those guys' job. Um, supervising and regulating banks and other important financial institutions, student loans, for example, to ensure the safety and soundness of the nation's banking and financial system and to protect the credit rights of consumers. Uh, I don't have to flip through, uh, that ain't in here. This is this is a scam, it's a legal scam. And also, as a practical matter, they're horrible at it. They did a horrible job of this. Um, but what they did do is protect what they consider important financial institutions. So banks, uh, they're doing well, the big banks, the ones that survive. The, you know, 99% of the banks that didn't survive the, all this consolidation and following these rules, uh, they're all out. They're not the ones that are, have advantage. Um, but the big banks, the, the few big banks that are remaining and are buying up all of the um, uh, smaller banks and, and absorbing them, uh, they're following the scheme. I'm not saying I even blame them. They're faced with a business environment that includes the Federal Reserve and the IRS and other three-letter agencies, another dozen or so that will come down on them if they don't follow the D.C. rules, uh, they're operating in this criminal cartel environment as best they can. Um, And in the end, you know, when when a corporation gets the size of the huge banks today, Chase, you know, whatever, um, when they get that big, regulatory capture is the phase they go into. They're long past the entrepreneur entrepreneurial stage uh, regulation is good because it prevents startup Uh, you think you could start a bank today with with the irs and and federal reserve regulations and um no You, you need a team you need a building filled with software people to to write your tools and you need another building full of of finance people to keep track of all the changes in legislation another building full of accountants to fill out all the forms like, no, you can't just start a bank uh, like you could 200 years ago um, with, with some money and, you know, safe and, and uh, good moral principles. That's not enough to start a bank now. All right, that's number two. Um, the credit rights of consumers. Uh, I, I don't, it's hard to even determine what credit really is in an environment when the dollar has no basis in anything. Um, maintain the stability of the financial system and containing systemic risk. Now, these are the guys who, 10 years into their existence, caused the Great Depression. So, no, they're not too good at that Um, risk that may arise in financial markets. Now, I think uh, I have to recognize that the primary risk that arises in financial markets is the Federal Reserve. So, the best thing the Federal Reserve could do to contain systemic risk is to completely disband and let uh, sound money take over. All right, number four, providing certain financial services to the U.S. government. Uh, print whatever dollars Congress wants. If they need another two trillion for the war in Ukraine and, and dole outs to uh, military contractors in all 50 states so that the representative can get reelected from his district by by producing jobs. That's, a certain, that's one of the certain financial services the Federal Reserve provides to the US government. US financial institutions, I've already discussed what they're doing with the banks. Uh, oh yeah, they provide certain financial services to US financial institutions. They certainly do that. And then foreign official institutions, that one's interesting. Uh, sure, Chinese government holds a lot of US debt. Um, Ukraine, we've sent uh, hundreds of billions, what are we up to now, 100 billion, um, to Ukraine in the last year, by we, I don't include myself, I made the mistake of thinking that the federal government is us. It's not, Uh, if there's anybody from the federal government watching, uh, it's because either they have a job with the federal government, that's fine, depending on what you're doing. I hope you're not working for the IRS though. Or. Maybe uh, unsafe space is finally reaching our uh, reach goal and somebody from the FBI and IRS is watching this show. That's cool. That would be a feather in my cap. I would consider that a mark of success in in reach of unsafe space. Um, I may have mentioned on a show before, but yeah, one of my goals, if I can get on the Southern Poverty Law Center's uh, extremist list, like I'd be in with some good company. So, yeah some really bad company, but also some good company. Chris Hall, for example, constitutional attorney who who teaches the Constitution. Um, Anyway, uh, I think that's enough on this one. I think I called them out enough. You see what they're doing here. Uh, What else do I got here? What is the Federal Reserve? Uh, This one I've pretty much already covered, but it's an interesting article because it's about a three-minute read. Uh, This is a a, uh, five-minute, three-minute read of uh, functions uh, five functions, targeting interest rates. So this is getting down into the details of what they do. Uh, one of their most important jobs is setting the federal funds rate. Now, they do consider that the uh, most important job. They dictate, rather than letting a free market determine the interest rate, the Federal Reserve just sits in a secret meeting, uh, by the way, with uh, we're not nobody's allowed to film, uh, nobody's allowed to see what happens, nobody's allowed to see minutes of it. They re- they release a cryptic summary weeks later of a meeting and never actually sure exactly what they did. You can tell when they change the the prime the uh, interest rate that banks lend money to each other. Uh, this is one of the ways that they control the economy. Try to control the economy. Um, it's called the federal funds rate. Has enormous impact on the U.S. economy. Yep, enormous impact. Uh, it's all fake. It's all a game, it's part of their scam. But sure, it changes your mortgage rate, it changes your car loan rate, uh, it changes how much money is available to expand your business. As they muck with this, thinking they can actually control things um, for their stated goals and their underlying goals to uh, benefit themselves and the banks, which, which they're all tied together. Um, they change how much money, if you have a small business and you need some cash, They'll change how much money is available for you to expand your business and how much it costs for you to bo- to borrow it. That's a the game they play. Fostering the stability of the financial system. I've talked about this one enough. I hope uh, everybody knows enough to just laugh at that one. It's ludicrous. I don't know how, they can, how somebody can write this with a straight face, even though it is what the Fed says they're doing. Managing the money fl- supply. That they do. What they do is they expand it. Ever since Nixon took the United States off the gold standard in 1971, the little tiny bit that was left, the $35 Bretton Woods thing, uh, there's never been a balanced federal budget. Like, they don't balance the budget. Um, Every president since has has expanded the money supply. They just sign it. With Trump being the biggest one so far, not to say Biden won't be able to beat it in his four years, it's possible. He's got Ukraine to help. Um, Trump had Afghanistan, so... um, Biden needed something, I guess. I suppose is a better way to put it. As part of its duties, he said, the only moral duty, the only constitutional duty the Fed have, is to disband. Um, the amount of money is sent is called the reserve requirement. Now that I've talked about that enough, uh, sure. This is the, this is the, this is the the, the better definition. I was just paraphrasing various things, uh, but the Fed sets the. The Fed establishes a set amount of money that member banks are required to store at the end of each day to prevent a bank run. That's the reserve. So it it they can manipulate the amount of fake money that a bank is allowed to create by changing this percentage. At one time it was forty. At one time it was a hundred. Ethically, it's always a hundred. At uh, one time it was forty. I think it's three percent. Last time I heard, but. It's called the reserve requirement. I'm not sure what it is right now, but it's single-digit percentages. <coughs> there was a movement to take it down to zero, which is really funny, which means you don't even have to have a hundred dollars to come up with a thousand. Okay, there's 12 banks. Um, there's one in Philadelphia. Walked by it all the time when I used to live there. Um, but they're 12 banks. They're primarily in the uh, eastern part of the U.S. They're older. There's some in the Midwest, but um, they operate in overseas the National Electronics Payment System that the Treasury relies on. Oh, that's fun. That's a fun job. That's uh, one of the things the Fed, they oversee electronics. Now, you see this uh, Central Bank Digital Currency, CBDC. Uh, This is a movement so that this is everything. You can't even go to a yard sale without getting involved in this electronics payment that the Fed and the IRS know exactly what you're doing. That's where they're going. Protecting customers. Again, the only thing they could do, the best thing to do to protect customers is to disband. All right, um, I'll just glance through this, but anyway, all these links will be on safespace.com if you want to read on this further. Um, the uh, the Board of Directors, uh, this is a secret thing, 14-year terms. That's a fun one. Uh, you get on here, the uh, president appoints you to the U.S. Senate confirms. Both the president and the Senate have a lot of incentives to pick somebody who's going to boost the power and wealth of the federal government and to support the big banks because that's their primary, uh, lobbyer on this stuff. So, yep, they serve staggered 14-year terms. Um, that's a better guarantee than a Supreme Court justice. Then there's 12 regional banks. Uh, the, 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 uh, one of the interesting ones, the, the New York one is, is, uh, um, like the New York, the president of the New York Central Bank is one of the ones on the committee, you know. Um, they got a key role because the president of the New York Bank was one of the ones in in the Jekyll Island meeting supposedly hunting ducks when they came up with this whole scam. Um, Then they have the Open Open Market Committee. Uh, These are the guys that meet. Um, Yeah, here it is. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York president is a fixed person on this board. Uh, That's interesting. I guess that's still payback from the original Jekyll Island Island meeting. Um, but anyway, uh, this this is left over from the J.P. Morgan Rockefeller influence. Um, then there's the seven board of governors, and then four elected members. They oversee the open market. This is uh, developed the nation's monetary policy. Um, you could read the, the Communist Manifesto and see words like this. Uh, the the uh, you know the founding documents of of. Communist the, the Czar Russia of Stalin and, and Lenin like of course they oversee the market. Um, that's that's their purpose. Uh, they adjust interest rates to promote stable prices. Now they do adjust interest rates, but they have no clue what they're doing. You can look at the effects of what they're doing adjusting interest rates and they they have they obviously have no clue like they're not able to do what they say. Uh, control inflation. Um, they can cause inflation, and they could not cause inflation. So they could control inflation by disbanding and going back to the gold standard. As far as printing money, uh, buying treasury bills with fake money, uh, they'll print money and buy back treasury bills. That's a that's a cool scam. So the person selling treasury bills to them makes money. The money's all fake. Uh, they get the treasury bills back, so they reduce. You know, they, they eliminate that liability because they do get them back. The people who sold the treasury bills, they make out. Um, the government makes out and prices go up because it's all fake. It's fake money. And then they advise uh, federal consumer councils and or, or the uh, councils advise them. Anyway, that's enough of these guys, that part. Um, this is something that I've actually listened to twice. I heard it uh, a little while ago, and I listened to it again this morning. Um, this is a great history documentation. Way more information than I can put out, uh, and done in a in an excellent way. Again, this is in the uh, Mises Institute. Uh, this is called Mon- Money Banking and the Federal Reserve. Uh, it's available in an audio format. Um, it's actually a documentary, uh, and it's on YouTube. So, but I just listened to it. Uh, watching it from time to time helps, but. Um, yeah, check this out. Money banking in the Federal Reserve, um, and also the PDF. I haven't read the PDF yet, but this is for uh, further research. Um, the uh, there's another uh, one here. I've listened to part of this. Um, I'm going to go back and listen to the rest of it. Murray Rothbard is uh, key is is a key uh, guy to understanding the whole the whole scam here. Um, this is a Q&A. This is a speech in a Q&A called uh, The Federal Reserve, History, Theory, and Practice. Um, and for fun, it was hosted by the Mises Institute at Jekyll Island, Georgia. Uh, that, that cracked me up. Very nice. N- nice one, Jeff Deist. He's, a, he's the guy that runs it. That's beautiful. Um, oh, this is one I was going to bring up. Let me, before I do that, uh, before I give this one away, I was thinking of fun ways to kind of end this. I've been going on for almost an hour now. Uh, I started 10 minutes later, so. But anyway, I'm coming up on an hour. I want to kind of close this out. Um, the uh, There's a December update for inflation. Um, so uh, the, the Federal Reserve, using all their skills and knowledge and the fact that they're actually predicting what they're going to do, um, which they're not even good at doing that, um, they produced a uh, inflation estimate for next year. It gets released in December. So the inflation estimate, uh, I'm, I'm not presenting this as well as I wanted to, but um, the inflation ex- estimate for next year, 2.7%. Now, if you believe that, um, the problem is that, oops, that was for last year. So that's what I was going to show. Um, this is funny. This really makes me crack up. Um, so this is, let me go off and show where this is from. The board of governors of the federal reserve system december 15th 2021 so this is just about a year ago so on december 15th they're projecting gdp inflation and all kinds of stuff they're projecting ahead their projection december 15th 2021 for 2022 2.6 um that's interesting so the first thing i'll note is uh, they got two digits of accuracy there, 2.6. Like it's not 2.5, they're saying 2.6. Now they do have a uh, a whole range, 2.0 to 3.2. So the upper end of what they expected for this year is 3.2, the lower end 2.0. So if you look at December 15th of this year, the prediction of what the Federal Reserve says next year is going to be, here's a data point for you. December 15th, last year, they predicted 2.6% for 2022, 2.3% for 2023. Now, do you think inflation is going to go down in 2.3 tenths of a percent? And then 2024, 2.1, and a longer run, 2.0. Now, 2.0 is their goal. That's that's for whatever reason they pulled out of their ass. The Federal Reserve says that's their target, 2.0. Now, if you look at Inflation since the Federal Reserve was created. Uh sometimes it's 10%, sometimes it's 2%, sometimes it's 20%, sometimes 15%. Uh, last year for a while looked like it was like maybe gonna be negative. Interest rates are going negative, which is crazy. That's a crazy thing. Um so no, these guys have no clue. Or they're lying. Those are the two possibilities. Now I happen to hold the opinion that they do have a clue. And they're lying um, because they understand what they're going to do. And a large part of this, the majority of this comes from what they actually do. So all this is, it's not a prediction of what's going to happen in the market. It's a prediction of what they're going to do. So this is the guys predicting what they're going to do the next year. And they were off by a factor of 10 or 20. Uh, who knows what the inflation is? It's probably 20% easy um, depends on how you measure it. You can't use the CPI that the government put puts out consumer price index, because that doesn't actually say what it is. So um, this is pretty funny. Uh, this is as amusing as the people who can't predict if it's going to rain tomorrow also claim they know the temperature of the Earth to two decimal point accuracy 100 years from now. So yeah, this is the same same camp of uh, government folks providing those numbers. So yeah, these are, these are probably the climate scientists are uh, more accurate. Than the Federal Reserve and their predictions. And the climate scientists aren't the ones that actually get to make the change, like the Federal Reserve. So anyway, this one, this one made me laugh. Um, you can find this at the website. Um, it's at the federal government's website. The Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System, the Central Bank of the United States, provides the nation with a safe, flexible, and stable monetary and financial system. How can you not laugh? Like, the the guy who wrote that, he must have been cracking up. How could you not just be laughing out loud trying to type that? Like, ha, 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 these fools. They're going to read that? That's just silly. I don't get it at all. Um, What did I have up here last? Oh, uh, fiat and gold. Uh, This one, I'm not going to get too far into it. But um, I do want to talk about, like, what real money is. Uh, So, real money... um, this is Fixes for Broken Monetary Base. So this is a uh, Mises Wire article. Uh, it goes through the uh, Laboratory of History. Great term. Um, they just talk about how we got here. Here they're talking about Greenbacks and Civil War. I had brought that up. Um, anyway, the, their end is the only way to fix this, if it's possible, you have to return the U.S. to a sound money system. They talk about um, they don't, because you can't predict the demand for, for a gold money base if, if they did try to convert. And there's a, there's a problem here. I want to find this um, statement. It's, it's a challenge because you don't really know what the effect would be. Right now, the current monetary system is such a disaster um, that to try to, to, to actually change this into a sound money system has a lot of problems um, because of what's been been created. So I don't know if it's possible. Um, this, uh, what looks like a very knowledgeable person working for Mises, uh, he's saying it's possible, but it's it's a tricky thing to do um, because it's so far gone. Uh, it's just so far outside of of any kind of, anything that's even approaching stable money, that to fix it by going back to stable money at the federal level, I don't know. And as a practical matter, it ain't happening anyway, right? Uh, This is not gonna happen. The the economic system, in my humble opinion, the economic system is going to essentially collapse uh, before they would ever do this. Uh, I think you have to look at the collapseitarian viewpoint here for whether this can happen or not. Um, And I don't think it can until we get a collapse. It would take a disaster larger than Lincoln's disaster with the greenbacks at the Civil War, larger than the continental fiat dollars printed by the Continental Congress before there even was a U.S. dollar, uh, before the gold standard and silver was established. Um, and again, that's back when Thomas Jefferson took a, took a look around. I think he was, he was uh, I'm not certain, he was probably in the Virginia House of Burgesses then. It was um, before 76. Um, they took around. They took a look around. He took a look around. He was adamantly against fiat paper money as a, as an economic disaster that they had seen happen over and over, Europe um, and in parts of the U.S. with all these private banks. Um, he saw the uh, the gold the silver coin, minted in Mexico City as the best thing to use for the dollar, um, and that's what he wanted to do. And they did they did use that for a while. Anyway. Um, this this journey to sound money, I don't know if it's possible with the general government, with Washington, D.C. at the time. Um, there's some articles in the Mises Institute for how to get there, uh, but uh, it could cause a, a deluge of, of deposits. Um, there's a lot of possibilities for what would happen if they even tried, and there's no way the current Republican Party or the current Democrat Party would ever want to touch this. They The, the Uniparty loves this scheme. There's no way. Uh, if they believe this, then Ron Paul would have been president for two terms. Rand Paul would be president right now. We could have had him. Uh, but no, he couldn't even come close in a primary. Um, if if the country, if the Republicans, like, like they always care about the unborn, the Republican Party in D.C. could care less about the unborn. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be borrowing and printing money that the unborn have to pay for. They don't care about the unborn. It's just a political thing. Uh, even though there are people who actually do care, the Republican Party is not the answer. And everybody knows the Democrat Party is not the answer. So I don't wanna start talking about what we do, but seems to me we have to give up and divorce DC and establish a place with sound money. Anyway, I won't get into that today. Um, I had a bunch of pictures I was gonna show uh, and talk about. Um, I'll see if I can pop them up. Um, I was hoping to do it while the guest was speaking, but um, the um, uh, the the history of money in the U.S. is a disaster, Um, and the Federal Reserve is the key to that. So uh, I see no other way of ending that than getting rid of the federal government, the the Fed Reserve. So. And the Fed. Um, let me see if I can stop the share here, and I'm just going to pop up a couple of uh, fun pictures. When we get to them, um, and bear with me for a minute. I'll check chat. Uh, Joe Byland says, "I've heard colloquially that states go defunct through bankruptcy more than war. Not sure if that's true. Um, I, I assume by state you mean uh, countries worldwide. Uh, I, it's." It sounds possible. You certainly know the Weimar Republic economic disaster. Um, the uh, In the US, a couple of the financial disasters are the Continental Dollar used in the War for American Independence, and then the uh, Greenbacks printed by Lincoln, not redeemable in gold during the uh, War of Northern Aggression or the War for Southern Independence. Um, look at some of the uh, wars, World War II uh, most countries that did have a gold sa- standard paused it for the war for the same reason the U.S. did. Uh, same for World War One. They can get away with it if it's a short war. Uh, even, you know, World War Two was four years. You can kind of get away with it for four years if you keep doing it and keep propping things up and the, the population is uh, super gung-ho about the war, which propaganda does that too. So with a good enough propaganda campaign, you know, FDR, Harry Truman, Woodrow Wilson, World War I, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, lenin uh, they, they're, all, they're all able to, to prop it up for a couple years until the financial disaster hits. And what we're seeing is the same thing. It's whatever war, the last war was the war on a virus. That's uh, one of the best long-term wars. Like, that's even better than the war on terrorism and the war on poverty. Like you can't even see a virus. How do you know when you won? Um, that war—that's a war that would—that'll never end. So, yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the comments. Uh, Rashi Strider asked, "Does debt money always eventually collapse?" Uh, I think it depends on how the debt is handled. Um, if you have debt that's backed up by gold, then no, you can always just get the gold back. Uh, in a real estate debt that's backed up by the property. You can get the property back. Um, it's, it's money when the U S government bars, money, it's not backed up by anything. Uh, their version of borrowing money isn't actually borrowing anything. All they do is they issue, they'll print fake paper T bills, which they can buy back later with fake paper. Um, And where it goes is is on the backs of people who aren't born yet, and it devalues the money in our bank accounts. So for those that are retired, uh, what they're doing when they do this is they're devaluing the dollar in your retirement fund. Um, And the payback is actually on the next generation, so your children, your grandchildren. um, They're paying that, and the advantage of your grandchildren and the unborn, they don't vote. So they're the best ones. You can borrow money from people that don't vote. Um, so that's sort of debt, Rashi, that kind of debt uh, is is what happens. Um, Adi Dave says, relationships are wealth. I'm specifically talking about money. Yeah, relationships in the zombie apocalypse. Um, yeah, one good redneck friend is worth 100 college professors in, in the zombie apocalypse. So, sure, relationships are important. I would agree with that. Um, so let me find some of these pictures. I was just going to run through these first I have to find them. Or maybe I'll just end here because I don't want to chat away uh, aimlessly while I find something that I, I wasn't ready to show. So anyway, um, everybody, thanks for watching Rebel Civics. Um, next week, uh, we're going to have a great episode. I'm doing a secession roundtable uh, with a couple people, one from uh, California, secession movement, one from New Hampshire, secession movement. And then me uh, from Florida, sunny south florida i'll talk a little bit about the uh, flexit so hope to see you next week next wednesday noon eastern on rebel civics
1: this production was made possible through the generous support of our members to join our community visit unsafespace.com Unsafe Space is an
0: online publication for individualists interested in subverting authoritarianism and ushering in the next enlightenment. For biting analysis and nourishing composition, or to sign up for our weekly news brief, The Abstract, visit unsafespace.com. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized for distribution on Apple devices. The following co-conspirators are hereby uninvited to Klaus Schwab's Winter Solstice party. Please be advised that CBS News has paused activity on unsafe space while it continues to assess security. Central bank digital currency is a safe and secure way to protect you from Sambankman Freed. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science.